Welcome back to Between the Before and After, a podcast about the stories that shape us. I'm your host, Coach John McLernan. Each episode, I bring you an inspiring guest with a moving story that shines a light on the power of the human spirit. I'm excited to share this story with you, so let's dive in. So imagine you're a competitive athlete. You've always been able to depend on your body and uh, anything you ask of it, you're able to do that. And then all of a sudden in your mid-20s, you're struck with a chronic illness that you don't really fully understand. And then when you take it to medical professionals, they don't really believe you. And it takes a number of years before ever getting anything close to an accurate diagnosis. And then to top it off, a number of years to work through and even get past what has been described as an incurable chronic illness. This is the story of Dr. Kristen Wild. Dr. Kristen, welcome to the show. Hi, so glad to be here. I love it. I'm excited. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we dive into your, your story, I always like to let people know kind of where you're at right now, what it is that you're, you're doing, and then we're going to paint a picture to how you got to this place. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So where I am now, I, if, if like 10 years ago, me was told where I am now, it would have just like shattered my reality. Like how right. on earth like, <laughs> would that happen? Like I always had that underlying kind of knowing, but like this is like every day blows my mind. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a holistic health practitioner. I did not choose to be this person. It was just like one thing led into, in, into another and I absolutely love it. So I work with hundreds of different people that are dealing with chronic um, health issues, mostly autoimmune, and uh, helping them navigate that, which can be, as I think a lot of us are starting to understand, autoimmune can be very complicated. And there's hundreds of different types and diagnosis and all these different symptoms. And um, so it's like this amazing journey where I get to work with all of these people and watch people transform their lives right before my eyes. So it's just like every day is just this amazing, beautiful adventure constantly yeah. unfolding. I'm so grateful to be here. And, uh, you know, as, as, as we do, when you go through those really deep, difficult moments in life, the amount of empathy and compassion that is developed within you, the humility, it is so priceless. Absolutely. The gift yeah. that it brings later. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we talk about autoimmune conditions, um, I think there's a general, could I call it a perceived consensus that we're dealing with things that are essentially incurable, that people mm -hmm. are, are being handed a, mm -hmm. a life sentence. Mm -hmm. And fr from your story, I think, your story actually challenges that narrative that, that these are necessarily incurable because in your, your story does involve reversing what is thought to be an incurable um, mm -hmm. autoimmune condition, which is quite remarkable. So I imagine the people that you, that you work with that come to you, that they've probably tried a number of different avenues and I often joke like, so I, I do nutrition coaching. Some of the, some people will know that. And I, I joke like I'm not people's first stop. Um, by the time they, get, by the time they get to me, they've tried like the 90 day challenges, the, the, the 30-day detoxes, the, the 21 day, whatever, the laundry list of things. And they go, wow, none of those things worked. And I go, okay, cool. Now, now we're ready to do the work and we're ready to work together. And so I wonder if that's been your experience as well. Like by the time people get to your doorstep, they're like, wow, I've tried this and this and this and this. I went to this medical professional and so on, and I'm not finding answers. And I'm, but I'm, I'm not giving up and I'm still looking yes. for some hope. Yes, that's exactly it. I am 
typically not people's first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first really got into this work, it was like almost a hundred percent of the people I worked with, they were like in the desperate hopelessness stage. Mm-hmm. That's changed a bit now just because there's a lot of, there's just so many success stories that people are kind of finding us before it gets to that point where it's awesome. like so bad. Um, but I would still say 80% of the people I work with, it's like, I've tried everything. I've done anything I could and there nothing, I nothing is working for me. I'm just not getting there and it's like and i still believe i can but i'm not finding answers right right i i I just made a note here um maybe you're not their their first choice but we're hoping that you're their their last choice yeah yeah yeah. and really that's the goal is like when they work with you like they don't have to go back to this old paradigm that that isn't working this one that says well you have to be on these medications for the rest of your life and this isn't knocking medications but you know I i know how many people do you know who say like well I take this because I, I kind of need to, but I don't want to. I don't want to be dependent on a medication for the rest of my life. Is there another answer? And the work that you're doing is really sort of challenging this this medical paradigm that's been established for many, many decades. That And and, and it's really hard to get it to turn around for, for so many reasons. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to dive too much in the medical because we want to share your story. But just this idea of trying to turn around an industry that's built around um, treating symptoms through medication primarily and surgery mm-hmm. where necessary, as opposed to treating the person as a whole being. Yeah. And then again, it's like, like you're saying, it's not vilifying it. It's a system mm-hmm. that developed uh, so many amazing technologies, so mm-hmm. much progress in health and wellness. So that's part of our evolution in learning anything, right? There's, you have Absolutely. to go through the mud. And so it's not about being like, that's bad or wrong. You know, there's certain things that do so well. And sometimes the medication is the answer until you can really get to that root and establish a strong foundation. And so, yeah, it's, and we can work in both fields and learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like to think about it as um, like buying time. Because, so I mean, uh, just as a a very short example, it's not really a direct or exact parallel, but uh, you know, uh, about five weeks ago, I really, I slipped my SI joint out of place. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was leaning over to change my son, just, it's not even a good story. Uh, but then, then I, I got hit with this crippling sciatica and anyone who said sciatica before, like it's, it can be like brutally painful where like my leg doesn't want to work and I have numb spots on it and I have lightning bolts shooting down and all of this. And, and, uh, it's not, not particularly pleasant to experience. Mm-hmm. So in that time I, I have been using painkillers and muscle relaxants, for, you know, where necessary, uh, not really wanting to, uh, but doing so while I go through certain treatments that are allowing me to, and you know, we're making some progress, which, which is really fantastic. But um, I, I share that just as an example of of using something to sort of bridge a gap until we get to the place where we don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you, you, what you're describing, it really sounds like you are that for many people, that you are a bridge between um, you know, the, the medical industry. Cause there's, there's, if you think about like the illness wellness paradigm if you will like on a spectrum the medical model is built on the illness side of things let's get you to this place where essentially your disease is being managed and we don't need you in the hospital mm-hmm. but then there's a whole other half of it which is like the wellness side of things it's like well, let's actually get you to optimal healthy functioning living your life vibrantly with energy again instead of like feeling like you're trapped yeah. in a body that you don't want to be in yeah well and that's it too it's like let's let's do that and then take away the fear of ever getting sick again 
Right. You know, like I, I live with zero fear of being ill again. And so many people that I work with, same thing. It's like not. Yeah, exactly. It's not only taking it to that point where it, where it's stasis. It's mm-hmm. at the point even beyond that into like, I get better every day. I like, yeah. I heal every day. I get stronger every day. And so it's like aging in reverse. It's like, if you saw me 10 years ago, I look younger now than I did then. Like it's, yeah. like- <laughs> it's, which is remarkable to think about. And you're right. Uh, maybe I won't disclose your age, but you shared your age with me. And I'm like, you, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. I, I ha- you're 40, but I, I happen to know your story and I know mm-hmm. your educational background. And I'm like, okay, you know, you've done a lot in your life. And so, mm-hmm. but if I didn't know any of that backstory and you came up to me and said, Hey, I'm 30, you could convince me. And this isn't just, mm-hmm. you know, me trying to, you know, throw rainbows in your direction or something, but really <laughs> genuinely, like you have mm-hmm. a very youthful, youthful appearance and energy to you. And, uh, I agree. If people had met you 10 years ago when you were just wrestling with, you know, the most painful of autoimmune conditions that were crippling you, I don't mm-hmm. I think they would have saw someone who who looked much older than you presently are. Totally. Absolutely. And so this is the thing. And I like I work with people in their 70s mm-hmm. and watch the same thing happen. Like yeah, it very- does not matter what your age is biologically. We are moving into a whole new paradigm on the scientific point of view, this consciousness point of view, our mental health point of view, like everything is changing. So yeah. it's pretty amazing to be able to be here in this time and witness these things happening right before our eyes. So, you know, you said that if I, you know, 10 years ago, you couldn't even imagine you'd be where you're at. But if we go back a little bit further, and I I was thinking about, Mm -hmm. you know, as a kid, before we started recording, you mentioned you were a competitive uh, ski racer. I think it was downhill Mm -hmm. ski racer, Mm -hmm. which which is incredibly demanding. Um, How how does somebody kind of get into that sport? And how how did, you know, you figure out that, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this? Um, It was all my my father drove that one because it was like I was kind of living out his childhood dream. (laughs) Interesting. That's <laughs> and I actually really liked it because um, at the time I like didn't have any of this sense of mortality, and, uh, <laughs> you know, as we, when we're Since useful. Kid, yeah. So I just, live forever. Like, yeah. I had no fear. And so it was very exhilarating and thrilling. And also I loved the praise that I received for it. Right. It was, yeah. you know, like I was good at it. And so the praise I received for it, I was like, Oh, I want to do more of this. People like it when I do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious just how, how, what sort of speeds do you achieve um, in downhill ski racing? Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you. I don't remember. Cause I would, I'd yeah. just be making it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if anybody knows, feel free feel free to uh, share it in the comments uh, if if you see this broadcast. Um, but I imagine you're going pretty fast. And, and did you have any oh, like yeah, serious wipeouts or things like that, or any major injuries that took place when you were racing? Uh, yeah. So um, there was a time. This was I think it was 11, and it was being televised, and so there was camera people like the different. Um, the different gates and so I was coming around one and the camera guy got too close to the gate so it was for me I so I either had to hit the gate or hit the camera guy so I hit the gate and <laughs> say hit the camera guy <laughs> yeah no. was a softer target <laughs> and it was just like all you could see was like poof and then I was like oh my gosh because it got me right in the crotch so it was like oh, purple peach no. situation for quite a while <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that is, that is awfully painful. <laughs> did, how did, how did the, I mean, did you have, did the camera guy like come over and be like, well, I'm so sorry or anything, or do you, no. do you remember much of that? Or No, it was the nineties. No one apologized for anything. 
that is so awful. I mean, I remember I was I was uh, 13 when I, I learned how to downhill ski, um, and it was on a school trip, and uh, I, I was I was getting probably more confident than I should have, and I went down. Uh, There's a ski resort in Kamloops. Um, what do they call it now? It's one by Nancy Green Rain. Um, oh, Sun Peaks. Oh, yeah. 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 Because out Kelowna Way, I think you have Big White. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was at Sun Peaks and I was, I was learning how to ski and, and I went on this uh, double black diamond, which probably had no business being on. And I was like, well, let's, let's try this out because I'm 13 and I'm cocky and whatever. And I got going a little too fast and couldn't control my turn. I ended up smashing into a tree. <laughs> like full on hitting a tree. And, but back then I had glasses. I hadn't had laser eye surgery yet and had, so I had glasses and I had very poor vision without them, mm-hmm. but I, you hit a tree, the glasses go flying off and who knows how deep the snow is. And so here I am like blindly flailing around in the snow. I'm stunned because the wind's been knocked out of me, like trying to find my glasses. And so, um, I, I didn't keep skiing as, as a, as a sport after that. <laughs> had enough of this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so after that, you, you ended up um, deciding not to continue to pursue downhill skiing because you had other priorities as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, I was 14 and I was getting like re- really competitive. So it meant mm-hmm. being up at the ski hill most of the time in the winter and dry land training almost every day in the summer. Mm-hmm. And I'd been doing that since I was two. So at this point yeah. in time, I'd already been doing it for 12 years. And my parents were like, okay, like this is getting like, it's like, you're either in on this and we're like, okay, the goal is like to be an Olympic athlete or professional athlete or, do you want to be a teenager? And I was like, I want to party. Look, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a teenager instead. Did you, did yeah. you maintain some sort of like competitive sport sort of activity? Cause it sounds like you have a bit of a competitive athletic drive. Did you play any other sports in, in lieu? Uh, no, you know what? I actually really got into school. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. super into, you took sort of that intensity that you, that you had mm-hmm. and you've been pouring into ski racing and, and turn into, to yeah. learning. Did you, mm-hmm. when you, when you were a teenager, did you have an idea of like what you wanted, you know, we always say like, what did you want to be when you grow up or a picture of like what you might end up doing in adulthood? Yeah. So from the time I was 11 until I was about 22, I thought for sure I was going to be a surgeon. I was okay. going to be a medical doctor. And then I was going to either, I wanted to be a reconstructive surgeon or a neurosurgeon. Fantastic. That's yeah. pretty cool. Either brain surgery or, uh, I mean, I had my face reconstructed by a surgeon who did a really good job. So this, this, yeah, I would never know. This Amazing. great jawline of mine. I can, you know, I get the <laughs> surgeon back in 1998 because I'd have my jaws reconstructed. So amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you said you, you, up, up to that point, you thought you were going to be a, a surgeon. So what did you end up studying at school? So I was taking my bachelor of science when I was younger mm-hmm. and, you know, it just, I started to change as a person becoming more into like adulthood. And so I came to this realization that I wanted to have kids at some point in time and, you know, have more of a family life at some point in time. And I knew that if I was going to go into being a medical doctor or surgeon, that that there would be a great deal of sacrifice one Mm -hmm. way or another. And so, yeah. And so I ended up dropping out of school, moving to Alberta and yeah. becoming an industrial electrician, you know, as we do. <laughs> an industrial electrician. Well, that's funny. We we have we have many many crossing pa- crossing paths because I was I was a power line technician. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah, I ended up working for Atco. Um, yeah. In in so yeah, pretty funny. 
<laughs> so you're an industrial electrician in, in, in Alberta. That's yeah. fun. Did you act, did you get your red seal or did you, did you go all the way through? So I went all the way to my journeyman and yeah. then I caught the real estate bug. I got really into real estate, loved it. And so I just didn't finish my journeyman. I did everything up until then. And I was like, and I'm done here. I'm <laughs> Right. Right. Okay. So your, your life has been like the series of stages, you know, from ski racer to, you know, yes. want to be a surgeon and medical professional to then electrician to now I'm going into to real estate. And along the way, um, you, you found a partner and you started a family as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. And, you know, it was just like, I was one of those people where it was just like, I was checking the boxes of society. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking for myself, like, what do I actually want, need, or like, mm -hmm. you know, like I didn't really, I was just like, went along with things and it was like, okay, now it's time to get married. Now it's time to have kids. And, you know, by the time I really got deep into it and was like in the middle of that experience, I was like, oh, I did not think this through at all. <laughs> right, right. And so we, we know that uh, you, you mentioned that um, it was after the birth of your second child mm -hmm. um, that things changed in your body. Was it like immediately after childbirth or was it a few months after childbirth? What, what changed for you? Cause you'd already been through childbirth once and you kind of had the experience of recovery from it and whatnot. And it's, it's quite a thing to recover from shout out to all the moms out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I nursed my wife through her, her recovery after our first one where our second one's on the way. Yeah. And uh, you know, but what, what was different about the second one that first indicated to you, there's something off here. Well, I, this is the thing is I had always been able to count on my body. It was very strong, you know, um, I'd always been able to count on it. And yet sometimes I didn't treat it that well. Right. Cause I was like, I could put whatever I wanted into it. Like I could, I would muscle my way through everything in life. That's what I was. It was just pure tenacity. Like, yeah. um, one of my yeah. nicknames is honey badger because I just like, get it. Like I yeah. keep going till I get it, you know? Like, and so, yeah. The thing is, is I forgot that I existed, that I had needs, you know, and so um, I just ran myself down. And so uh, I, both my children were born by C-section. They were born, they're born 16 months apart. And I was also didn't stop working. I was at the time was a real estate agent. That real estate bug, I was right in there. I was getting moving and shaking and like, and I yeah, didn't yeah. stop. I had okay. babies and didn't stop. They they Oof. were with me all the time. Uh, I would work from home. I was like, I was on the phone doing deals. Like after I woke up from my C-section, like it was like pretty you know, intense. That, was that person. Right. And, you know, I think I feel I was like kind of trained to be that way since I was very young. This right. like you're, you're putting this kind of this rigid mindset of like hustle, go train, train hard yeah. because you, you were in the world of competitive sports, especially mm -hmm. during those formative years where our brain is really, this is how mm -hmm. you exist in society. And like you mentioned, mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you got praised from sort of being mm -hmm. this way. And so, and you, you pair that with happening in your, your formative influential years and that drive is kind of hard to stop. And yeah. essentially, if, if I, if I'm understanding correctly, what you're describing here, you drove your body into the ground and then mm -hmm. that created I guess the perfect storm for these autoimmune conditions to appear, totally. which is kind of like in, in a oversimplification inflammation running wild. Yeah. Well, and it's like, there's so many factors involved with getting, like, it takes a long time to get sick, but it happens yeah. like this. There's always a trigger. There's always yeah, a trigger okay. where it's like, suddenly you're sick, mm. but it was like coming. Yeah. But you didn't like most people don't know what signs to look for because like we were talking yeah. about this preventative, you know, this like, 
preventative care that we're moving into where it's like, now we can start looking for the signs to look for. It's just like going into an abusive relationship. If you know the signs to look for, you're not going to be in that relationship because right. you find out way before it ever gets there. Right. You know? But most people don't go into relationships being like, I'm, I'm going to look for signs to see if this person's like abusive. You yeah. Know? And, and unless I, you've been through it, then you're looking right. all the time. You're like, are <laughs> right. you? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I, I was in a, I wouldn't say abusive, but I was in a, in a toxic manipulative business relationship. And so mm -hmm. I now understand what it being partnered with a pathological person looks like. I would now know what to look for. But, uh, so then I think, um, but because you were so hard driving, probably these little like symptoms or little signs would show up, but you would, uh, I gather like just kind of brush them aside. Like it's no big deal. I'm tough. I can muscle through this, whatever, yeah. carry on, carry on. Everything. And then boom, the straw that breaks mm -hmm. the camel's back. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, suddenly in an instant, you're not who you were anymore. Mm. It's bizarre. It is wow. so bizarre because it was like, and I went through a lot of denial with it too, just still trying to be like that. And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. I have a friend who says, you know, when you have lessons to learn and you're not listening, the hammer just keeps getting harder until you're cracked wide open. So that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah, I, I nearly drove myself to a nervous breakdown in my mid thirties. Um, yeah. It was the the powerlifting, sleeping five hours a night, snorting pre workout, uh, mm -hmm. testosterone fueled, adrenaline, and all of this until my body said, "You can't do this anymore." Yeah, yeah, and that sounds like the kind of something like you had. What what were the like physical manifestations in your body that you were you were feeling? Because you know you're a changed person, you know, overnight. Yeah, so I was just taken out. So it started with one day. I woke up and it felt like both my wrists were broken because I knew what it felt like to have broken bones. And that's what it felt like. My both my wrists were broken. And I went to like open the door of my bedroom and I like couldn't do it. I had to use like both hands and like try and I was like, what is happening? You know, it was just kind of like this weird like I'm like, yeah, you know, and I, it's like you almost go into instant denial because your your mind doesn't know how to compute what's happening. Right. Because it's never had this like an experience like this or expected an experience like this. So it's almost like you're just I for three weeks, this was happening in different areas of my body before I finally was like, I need to go to see a medical professional here because what's happening? Like, I don't get this. Right. This, this doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like my body yeah. isn't doing what I thought it would do. And and so mm -hmm. what, what was the first medical professional? I mean, that, that you sought out. And what was sort of the, the response or diagnosis, initial sort of diagnosis you were given? So my family doctor was really good. My family doctor right away was like, I think this is rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. She's like, which is very serious. So you're getting, I'm getting you into a specialist like right now. Yeah. And so it was shocking to me because I was kind of like, what is that? You know, like right, I, I, I do have a doctorate, but it's a PhD yeah. in metaphysical science. So very different <laughs> thing going on. Yeah. So even though I was aiming to go to medical school when I was younger, I didn't get to the stage about learning about autoimmune conditions and what they were. And I had no idea, no clue. Mm. Yeah. You know, and so when I looked it up and started Googling, things got scary quick. Right. Because you hear the word arthritis and you think like, I think, well, my mm -hmm. grandmother, you know, taking glucosamine yeah. and shark cartilage back yeah. in the 1990s to deal with her 
I guess it'd be osteoarthritis back then. And so you hear that word and you think arthritis, that's, that's an old people thing. And you were 27 at the time mm-hmm. and you're hearing rheumatoid arthritis, which is your, essentially your joints being attacked by your immune system. Is that correct? Yeah. So it eats away at the sheath on the bone and then also oh. the cartilage within the joint. Mm. So brutal. Yeah. And so when I first was sent to a specialist, um, because I just had a baby and was going through these things, she's just said, like, uh, I think you're, you're just going through some psychosis, really, I think you have postpartum. And you're just like, this is in your head. And so I'm like, I hear that line. (laughs) This is like, even if it was in your head, I think I might more try to do a little more digging before just announcing this is in your head. That sounds like very, I kind of like very judgmental. And and how, how did you receive that when you hear like, this is in your head? What was your first thought? Well, you know, I'm, I have a lot of like personal wherewithal in general. So I'm pretty good at when people say things, I don't take it personally, mm, you know? Right? And so luckily for that, because there's a lot of people there that would be like, oh my gosh, am I going crazy? And it's like, right. no, I like, I know what I feel in my body. And the thing is, is I didn't really get the support or help I needed at the time. So I essentially just let myself go into denial that it was even happening for about three years. Wow. (laughs) Until it got to the point where it was pain, like painful and it was getting so out of control that, you know, it would take, I would wake up in the morning, just like so, so stiff and exhausted. And it would take until about two or three in the afternoon for my body to what I would call thaw out where I could actually start to move. And that was three years in. And then it was like, I got sent to a different specialist and it, and they did some x-rays and they're like, Oh yeah. And then it went to the opposite. We're like, this is really bad. Like this is severe. I am like, this is a very severe case. And like, as in we're talking potential joint replacement surgery kind of thing. So I did get to the point when uh, 10 and a half years in, because there's a lot between there and that 10 and a half year mark. But, um, at 10 and a half years in, I was told I needed four of my joints fully replaced. Oof, what four joints, if I may ask? Uh, my right knee, my left hip, my left shoulder, and my right elbow. And you were how old when you got this news that, that we think you uh, need these 30, joint How old was I? 35? 35 years old and being told you need four joint replacements yet again we hear that and we think no no, joint hip hip replacement like that's your 70s or maybe 80s you have that done you know maybe 60s you know yeah they said like from the age that i was when i was told this they just said you let us know when you can't take it anymore and that's when we'll start because once you start replacing the joints they have to be redone every so often too and i would start looking into it and i was like hmm no. Uh- <laughs> right. In- interesting. You know, cause I mean, I have this, I have this sort of belief in our body's capacity to heal, but mm-hmm. I also have a sense like there's probably like an eventual tipping point. I mean, actually, I mean, I guess we know that there is because at a certain yeah. point people like get a terminal illness and, and they're, they really, they don't have the capacity resources. And that's not a knock on the individual. It's just saying that as human beings, there is an eventual upper limit to what we can kind of come back from. Mm-hmm. So, but you're, you're um, given this kind of I've diagnosis. I've gone real far though. My body went yeah. probably as far as it possibly could. And I can tell you, it can go a lot further than you think and come back. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. We have this, yeah. this 
pretty incredible capacity to heal. So, mm-hmm. and, and as a quick sidebar, you know, you mentioned you did your PhD in metaphysical science. Yeah. That's, that's a mouthful there because, you know, when I think metaphysical science, I'm mm-hmm. thinking this is the sort of world of the intangible. Um, so, yeah. So metaphysics, the way I look at it is wanting to understand the basic nature of things. Mm-hmm. And not for any reason other than knowing the truth. I want to know the basic nature. And then being someone who's quite logical, you know, like I wanted, I was like a math athlete, you know, and I love right, spreadsheets. Right. And like, you know, it's like, so for me, I always had this like, like real deep interest in consciousness. Like, mm-hmm. who is this? Yeah. You know, who is this, this thing watching? that we can't put in a jar this whole thing (laughs) yeah this is sort of like this yeah some people call it a soul this energy like flowing through us that animates this body that has thoughts and things that are actually separate from this body because we can have self-awareness yeah that you know it's it's a bit of a puzzle that we can't exactly and so So, in in medical physical sorry metaphysical terms like how mm -hmm. is maybe consciousness and and i don't the soul or the inner metaphysical being defined or described Mm-hmm. And so I've been working on that for the last two decades. And I can tell you, the more I find that I'm like, okay, this makes sense, then an infinite number of new questions arise to take its place. <laughs> so it's really interesting. But I love this field of study coming in from the logic because then we can tangibly apply it to our day to day lives. And it's funny because the more you study it, the more spiritual you do become. Which, it's a natural I, side effect. I was I was going to be curious or ask that question. I guess um, mm-hmm. d- by nature, by virtue of the study of this, you know, mm-hmm. this led to you kind of becoming spiritual in some degree. Yeah. And and I mean, I guess spirituality has been a part of humanity since the beginning of time. There's mm-hmm. all manner of world religions that sort of date back to as far back as we have kind of human history. So there's maybe there's mm-hmm. always been this kind of innate understanding that we are metaphysical beings. But as mm-hmm. you even study the science and logic of this, because there's there, there's a lot of people out there who would like to argue that we're just like electrical impulses firing and chemical reactions mm-hmm. in the body. And I'm like, I, I, I'm actually not satisfied with that explanation, mm-hmm. <laughs> frankly. So if it leads you down the path of spirituality, what what sort of spirituality do you find yourself going down? So, you know, when you take um, the program that I did, it's really interesting because you study a lot of different religions, spiritual practices, and then, and because I went the metaphysical science route, I was studying quantum physics and the quantum Mm -hmm. mechanics, quantum field. Yeah, (laughs) changing energy states. and Yeah, and so this is, I think, where I became a bit of a bridge from one to the other because... I can speak both languages and I like mm. both languages right. and they go together. Yeah. I mean, quantum is a buzzword these days and actually it go back uh, two episodes and I had a quantum healer on and we were, mm. we were, we were, um, we were chatting. So mm-hmm. shout out to Joshua for, for, for being on the show. Um, cool. But, but qu- so quantum, I think like quantum computing. And I mean, of course I, mm-hmm. I did in, in my study, like quantum mechanics uh, because I was doing inorganic chemistry and nanotechnology research and whatnot. But the average person like quantum still sounds like a mystery term. It How does. Would you define and that? so uh, often the way that I, um, I find it is like so handy because we have these things called the computers now mm-hmm. and it, very much works, box. it works similarly. It works similarly. So, um, how we operate is almost exactly like a computer where it's like the body is like, 
you know, what's actually happening from that input, the input that you put into the computer, the programming you put into the computer, the body then gets to act out. And mm -hmm. so it's like this body's amazing tool for us to live in this like material existence and the computing and programming comes in through what we call our consciousness. We can call our soul. We can call our energy field, whatever you want to call it. Mm. It's still, it is what it is. It is, is what matters. <laughs> it, it exists. You can't and put now, consciousness in a jar, but it's there somehow. It is there. And there's no denying that anymore. You know, the, the quant three quantum physicists just won the Nobel prize for their work in this field. And so to me, I look at the quantum field, this, this, what we're tapped into and connected to as like the internet, right? Yeah. It's like Fast. you Google in what you want and then it brings it to you. <laughs> right, right. So, and because we're, we're going to get back to your story here, because I think this all of this factors, but why, why I'm digging into this a little bit is because I believe this partly factors into like your healing and your journey of recovery and probably <laughs> factors right into the t type of um, the work that you're doing as well. Um, so I am curious, because uh, whenever I encounter someone with sort of a spiritual background, I always like to ask, uh, so then, what sort of understanding, uh, you know, and it's all, I understand it's always evolving. We don't really have mm -hmm. all of the answers, but where you're mm -hmm. presently at, then how do you sort of explain the, the origin, I guess, of consciousness and life? You know, is there a universal life force or, or how do you kind of explain the fact that this is even a thing? Yeah. So that's, uh, I ended up going back to school for this reason and taking a psychology diploma. So I have a diploma in applied psychology now so that I could help articulate what happened because even people like, how did you do this? And I'm like, uh, because <laughs> it becomes very almost indescribable. And so that's Maybe what overwhelming really, for some people. Mm, yeah. Well, and it's like, so, um, sorry, just to like recenter what exactly do you want to like some tangible knowledge? Like what is just curious about what you're what 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 is your interpretation of I, I don't know like how are how are we alive because life propagates life mm -hmm. we we know that we, you know we can't just sort of animate a couple of cells with electricity and and they sort of mm -hmm. you know become self sustaining life so it seems that life propagates life and, and then because I, let's say for example maybe we have a lot of people say well I put this out to the universe to see what sort of comes back to me and like well what is what is the universe is it conscious yeah. is it sentient where does this sort of life or life force come from and so I'm, I guess I'm curious what would your interpretation of that be. Yes. Okay. So this is my understanding just from studying different things. I mean, none of us actually have the answer, right? You right. know, like, <laughs> like, we can, I'm not, I'm not going to like hold you to this where it's yeah. like, this is the answer you said for the rest of your life, you're chained to this, you know, yeah, but it's like, when you get enough information, you start connecting dots and there's some, there's some consistency across things. So it's like, pretend you're God because you are, and you know, everything experienced, everything, everything that exists and you know, everything that exists or ever was, how do you keep creating? How do you create new? How do you have new experiences? Well, you can wisp yourself off and then come into this existence where you purposely forget who you are purposely and then come in as one specific aspect and have an experience. Hmm. So the whole point of life is life. That's the whole point. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's, that actually makes sense, even though it's a challenge to sort of wrap our heads around. Mm -hmm. So then uh, do you have any thoughts or, or an interpretation of what happens when, when a human life ends? Because we know that mortality is just, just a part of uh, life in this human existence. 
Yes. So again, the, from just like a whole bunch of taking information from a whole bunch of different places, my understanding is our souls evolve the same way a human being evolves. You know, so some of our, some souls are, some they have like kind of different personalities. So some souls are like, gung-ho to go. It's like, I'm going in. I'm learning all the lessons. I'm going for it this time. I'm going to evolve so fast. It's just going to be like this rocket. And another soul is like, you know what? I am going on the most beautiful vacation. I'm going to book Club Med, have everything taken care of, and I'm just going to enjoy the sights. I'm going to enjoy the beauty of it all and have these experiences. And it's going to be so light and fluffy. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we see some people go through these extreme circumstances over and over and over and still come out the other side and roaring to go. And then other people are like, la, 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 <laughs> like, right, right. you know, and it's like, and so from my understanding, souls live, you can live infinite number of lives that you would like to live. And um, when you've gotten down to, when you've come to this human stage, like this is the, this is like, you're in it. Like, this mm -hmm. is like purgatory, you know, it's like, you can learn the really tough, tough lessons. You can have these just, super easy, breezy, beautiful experiences. Everything can happen here. Mm -hmm. Everything. And so it is like the depth of it all. And then we kind right. of work towards back towards source of where we came from. Okay. You know? and, and so, and, and I've heard this term source before. And so I guess mm -hmm. I'm curious, uh, is this like an or the origin source of life, soul energy, life force, that kind of thing, a creator, um, <laughs> everything that is right. Yeah. Okay. That that's really fascinating. And there's of course lots more we could ask about that. But now I want to mm -hmm. I want to bring it back um, just for the sake of expediency because we could probably go for like three hours just talking about this topic here. <laughs> What's the meaning of life? Let's let's discuss. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you you now take this sort of interpretation of life and existence, and you put this over your personal circumstances where mm -hmm. your body is breaking down, where you're being you know severe rheumatoid arthritis, one of the worst the doctors have seen. You're being told that you need four joint replacements. And you, this is incurable and you're, you're stuck in this. And at some point in time, he said, mm, I don't know if I want to accept that as true. So I didn't want to accept it as true the whole time. So um, about three years in, when I started seeing a new rheumatologist, they put me on all these medications and it just felt, it was like, does this does not feel right. This doesn't feel right. And again, it's not saying that that's going to be the same for someone else. But for mm -hmm. me, it was like, this does not feel like it's like, in alignment with me. I probably would have used different language then, but that's, mm. yeah. and yeah. so I didn't really take the medication and I came in one day and he's like, you are not taking the medication. And I was like, how'd you know? And he's like, mm, you're not filling your prescription. So that's how I know. And I was like, oh, you can tell. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> uh, sorry, not, not, yeah, not a lot of deduction required there. Oh, <laughs> very, very Sherlockian. <laughs> like busted. Anyway, so it was like, and I was like, I know. I'm like, I just can't do it. It's like every time I'm injecting myself with this poison, and I'm like, ugh, like this doesn't feel right. And he's like, your problem is. So again, your problem is you have a psychology problem. <laughs> and he's like, you are going to have this disease for the rest of your life, and you don't believe it. And I was like, you're right. I don't believe it. <laughs> what a great way to put it. 
Because <laughs> I, I just listened to you describing this situation where somebody is coming to you saying, this is your life, accept it, mm. suck it up. And, and I think to myself, well, what we're actually hearing is somebody else's perspective on life being applied to you through, through, through their experience. And you know what? If you're a rheumatologist, maybe what you've seen over and over and over again is people don't get over this. So yeah. how could you believe anything other than, well, you're just going to have this for the rest of your life. You're going to manage that condition because that's what I've seen time and time again. Yes. So that's exactly it. That's why he's not my victimizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could have cho- chosen to become a victim in that circumstance. So I was like, okay, no. And so I spent seven years from that third year to the 10th year doing yeah. everything I could. I literally spent over $150,000 of my own money trying yeah. to find answers, guinea pigging right. everything on myself. And I always did have this underlying feeling that I was doing it for a higher purpose. I had no idea what it was. But I just knew it, that consciousness Mm. piece, like who is that, that underlying piece that's moving you forward no matter what. And so it was actually not until I gave up hope, like where I was so hopeless that I was just hanging on by that tiny thread. So talking about sciatica, Mm -hmm. I needed that hip replaced. So I had had sciatica for two years straight. I couldn't stand for longer than five minutes. I couldn't sit for longer than five minutes. And I couldn't walk for longer than five minutes. Mm. It was excruciating and yeah and so you know at the same time my jaw was locked you'll still see that that's one of the things that is still recovering in my body I still have some pieces that I need to that I would like to heal and if it doesn't whatever I'm lucky to like you know I'm fortunate to be alive and I function awesome but it yeah, does it gets yeah. better every day I get better every day and so, so um, you were you said you were hanging on by a, by a thread basically because you, maybe you've, you've invested all of this money sought out all these solutions you're not finding answers yeah. and then you got this last little thread and it was and you're you're at rock bottom and yeah. somehow something turns a corner I tell you I can tell you the exact moment. So um, at the time I was still married and was at a funeral in Alberta and we had to fly back and forth. And so I was at the airport with my family coming back to Kelowna and I could barely walk. I was in such excruciating pain. It was so horrible. It was horrible. And so I had tears streaming down my face because we're going through the security lineup and it's super long. And at the time I could barely stand. And so we go through the security and this woman looks at me and she's like, what's going on here? And my then husband just kind of told her that I was living with an illness. And she's like, ma'am, I'm going to have to insist that we get you a wheelchair. And it was like, ugh. My worst nightmare come true. I've been told by so many doctors, if you don't take this medication, if you don't do this, you'll be in a wheelchair by the time you're 35. Here I was, 35 years old, being told I was going to be in a wheelchair. And so there I was sitting in this wheelchair. I see my kids looking at me so worried. And I just broke down. And in my mind, I just started to pray. And I was like, God, source, universe, whatever you want me to call you. I'm like, I give up. I give up. You know, it's like, I, I've tried, I've tried to be an inspiration to others. I've, I've tried to be positive. I've tried to do everything I could and it, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And I'm like, you know, either please start sending me those answers or just like, take me like it's, I can't do this anymore. And in that split second, 
this energy came up from the ground through my whole body. I felt this surge and this knowingness, like this is it. Mm. And the next day I started finding answers one after another, after another. And some things were coming back to answers that I kind of came across before that hadn't been effective, but they just weren't, the tools weren't being utilized in a way that would be effective at that point in time. So now all the, all of this knowledge that I had had come into my world through my education, through my experiences, all of a sudden it all started to go click, 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 click. And it just kept coming and still does like to this day. (laughs) And so, so ultimately this led you to realizing I'm onto something here and I, I need to start Share, sharing my knowledge and my experience. It with wasn't other people even that. It yeah. wasn't even that. I was running a business. I loved it. It's a zero waste supply company. I was helping, you know, like I was really focused on that and um, helping reduce our plastics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really focused on that. I was an entrepreneur and I was just like happy to be alive. And all of a sudden I had like employees and I was excited. Like I was doing that. But what happened was people started seeing me seeing me thriving and they had mm-hmm. seen me so, so sick, you know? And so they start, people just started asking questions like, how did you do right. that? What did you do? And so I had to learn how to more articulate it because I didn't know how I did it. It just started like happening, you right. know? And yeah. so I had to think about it. And so then I started sharing with people and then other people started getting better. And now all of a sudden there's like a group of us talking about this. And it was like, then people started saying to me, you need to be doing this. This is so mm-hmm. necessary. And yeah. I was like, okay, yes, I think, yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I have all this knowledge. I know how to do it. I'm going to start doing it. And it was one thing led to another. I went back to school, got that diploma, then became a registered professional counselor, started working with people one-on-one that filled up. And now I have a program because it works. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. That's remarkable. <laughs> and so blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, and I mean, there, there's there's so much more. I'd, I'd love to ask you about it. But if in a nutshell, I know every case is kind of unique and individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But are there some common threads that you see? Because you know, you yourself had three autoimmune conditions you were wrestling with. Yeah. You're largely seeing people who have been maybe wrestling with autoimmune conditions. They've maybe felt hopeless as well. What are some common threads that that you sort of see running through this? And I guess what I'm looking for from this potentially to share with others is mm-hmm. maybe what, what where's a starting point for them? You know, yeah. what are these common threads? Yes, I will tell you the exact place you need to start. And that's listening to your body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like we can get we can compartmentalize our minds, bodies, consciousness into these mm-hmm. different sections. They all work together. So from I, and I can teach you right here, right in this moment, it takes no time. And if you start here, you will start seeing some progress right away. And so we learn to listen to our bodies in this way, because our bodies are our intuition. Our bodies have all kinds of neuro sensations going on. Our brain's just the thinker. It's, it's the, it's filtering through all the information, but our bodies know way before our minds do what's, what's in alignment with us and what's not way more than five senses. <laughs> yeah. It's the sen- those sensations. It's aware of environmental factors that our brain cannot compute. So, 
for me, when I listen to my body, and this is going to be different for everyone. So like we talk about, it's an individual experience, but the fundamental tools are the same. And okay. so, so for me, when I'm listening to my body, it's like, this happens all the time now and you get really good at it. And so it's like, when I, when something's a yes for me and feels good, it's like, I feel at ease. I breathe easy, easily. My shoulders are dropped. I just like in flow of the moment. And when it's a no for me, it's all solar plexus. I feel it in my gut. <laughs> my gut tells me yes and no. <laughs> like it's yeah. like, um, so a no is my solar plexus is on fire and everything can seem totally normal. You can have a normal conversation with someone. They're perfectly kind. Everything can feel totally normal. And my solar plexus on fire. I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. You know, like it's like, right. it's going to be yeah. a no for me. And that takes some time to learn to listen to. The more you do, the more you realize how bang on it is. It's mm -hmm. like, and it's like, you need to believe it to see it. So it's the reverse. A lot of our old paradigm, what we're coming from is you need to see it to believe it. We're just going to flip that around mm -hmm. and life mm -hmm. gets so much easier. <laughs> and I think if, if I could, if I could sort of build on that a little bit, when you see mm -hmm. you need to believe it, to see it. Mm -hmm. I, I often describe beliefs as, as a filter for our brain and mm -hmm. our brain is deciding what to pay attention to and what not to pay attention to. So if you don't believe it's true, your brain is going to filter that information out as irrelevant, even though that mm -hmm. information is coming through and the signals are coming. And so, because I think this term, listen to your body in, in one sense, it's maybe it's, it's, it's put out there by, you know, um, influencers or whatever. Oh, just, you know, in the sort of breathy sort of pithy kind of way, just, just right. listen to your body. I'm like, well, I don't know when I eat donuts, my body goes, Whoa, that feels pretty great. I like that. Yeah. You know? but there, there, there's nothing healthy about consuming a donut. For example, there's no, Although there's no sometimes it's the best thing you can do in the moment. That's <laughs> right, the right. thing we don't. And it's like, you allow for those fun moments. Uh, sure, right? I, I, I eat donuts clearly, but yeah. I mean, yeah. um, but I, I, <laughs> so I, again, I guess why, why I share that or why, why bring that into the conversation is just this idea that maybe like listening to your body might actually take some time to learn mm -hmm. as a skill because for yeah. most of our life, we're actually taught to ignore it. I think about, I work in the world of weight loss, for example, how many times or for how many years or decades have people been ignoring the single signal of hunger because they have such a distorted relationship with food. They're so afraid of eating and gaining weight and so on. They absolutely shut that signal down. Yeah. And that, that's just one example. And so, um, you're right. This the skill of listening to the to the body is is the place mm -hmm. to start. How yeah. can we listen to our body and feel confident that we are interpreting what we're hearing correctly? Yes. So, like you were talking about, how the brain filters information out. There's actually a part of the brain that that's what it does. It's called the rear articulating system, mm -hmm. <laughs> and there is so much stimulus coming in at us all the time, especially now with technology. Mm. Uh, and uh, so yes. the brain will naturally filter out things that doesn't fit within its reality. So you mm. could literally witness miracles, things that are outside of what we would consider uh, reality or that could exist in reality. The brain will filter it out because it's like, oh, that doesn't match my belief system. Absolutely. So we want to uh, switch that around. The good old reticular activating system. Yes. Yep. <laughs> good old reticular activating system. <laughs> um, 
the average person's like, I don't even know what that means. And I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's part yeah. of our animal brain is part of our survival. You yeah. Know? It um, helps us decide so, what to pay attention to because we're receiving millions upon millions of stimuli every day that we could, there's no possible way we could, we could consciously filter through all of that. So our brain sets up these shortcuts and heuristics to help it yeah. uh, essentially decide what to pay attention, what not to. Yeah. Well, Kristen, there, there is like so many things we could talk about. So clearly um, we'll have to have another conversation because there, this is a really, really fascinating, you know, groundbreaking work that you're, that you're doing. Um, if people want to know more about, you know, wh where do they start? If they're like, wow, this is fascinating. I, I just want to know more. Where, where do they go to? Yeah. So um, there, it, like, so that's the thing. It really depends on what they're interested in because we, I do a lot of discussions on quantum mechanics, quantum physics, and then I do a lot of discussions on ADHD, a lot of discussions right. on uh, autoimmune conditions. We're learning all the things. And so um, I think probably the best thing to go to is my link tree. So it's the link tree forward slash uh, Dr. Kristen Wild. And then you can kind of connect to what it is you're, you're like, that's in alignment with you that is like really interesting to you and something that you'd really like to discover and, and like dig into more. Because it's like, mm -hmm. the more we learn, the more we're teaching each other, like, absolutely. It's so amazing. The human body is fascinating and we should, and it's our only home currently. And so we should love it enough to be fascinated by it and to want to learn and, and, and nurture. So, well, yeah. Yeah. So even if like, and that's the thing is it, the beliefs our belief systems in terms of who we are as souls. And that is aside the point, regardless of whether you live over and over and over again, or this is your one life, you'll only ever have this experience one time as this particular person. So you might as well go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so if people are listening to this conversation and they've got to this point here and they, they've heard a lot and maybe their mind is kind of spinning just a little bit and they go, whoa, this is a lot to interpret from like quantum, quantum mechanics and quantum physics to autoimmune condition and healing and all of this. If there was just one kind of takeaway message you would like people to have from listening to this conversation today, what would that be? It's really just opening yourself. It really is that the it's just willingness, willingness to know the truth for the sake of the truth. Mm -hmm. Just to know the truth. Because when we seek the truth, then we're okay being wrong. We're okay with changing directions. We're okay with having our entire reality shattered. That's happened to me. I can't even tell you how many times now where I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't even know if I'm a human anymore. Like, what's happening? You know? <laughs> so it's like, take it easy on yourself. It's like, it's like ever do everything you you do in life with reverence and awe. And also, don't worry about it. Everything's a cosmic joke. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's that's probably a good note to finish on everything is a cosmic joke dr kristen wild it has truly been a pleasure thank you so much for being on the show today <laughs> so glad to be here it's so fun thank you so much for tuning into between the before and after if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave a review because that helps this podcast to reach and inspire more people i love exploring the stories that take place between the before and after powerful experiences that shape who we become. And I love human potential. I love the possibilities that lie within us. So whatever you may be up against, I hope these stories inspire you because if you're still here, your story's not done yet. So keep moving forward.